Welcome back to another episode of Life Unleashed with your host, Sara. And Sonia. Today, we're going to have a discussion about our personal journeys and our views on therapy after ongoing trauma. And this discussion is going to be a really open-minded discussion about understanding that therapy may not be for everyone and and also that therapy comes in different forms. We're going to explore how therapy is something that some of us are still continuing to do and incorporate in our lives, and maybe some of us only are using therapy for a short term. So, why therapy? Sonia? Yes. What led you to start therapy, and how's that going for you? Yeah, I was encouraged and guided to take, to go to therapy therapy um, when I got diagnosed with with breast cancer um, how's it going it gave me an outlet to share how I was really feeling which was something um, I hid from everyone else I was you know sort of trying to put on a facade about oh yeah I, I got this I got it figured out and therapy was really good for me because um, I was able to really express how I was feeling without feeling bad or judged about it. I don't know why I would feel judged, but anyways, um, it made me feel that it was okay for me to feel the way I did. Um, If I felt sorry for myself, that was okay. If I was sad, that was okay. And it gave me the coping mechanisms that I needed to sort of get through that journey. So therapy really helped me uh, with that step. But you know, it opened doors for a lot of things outside of cancer. Six years later, um, you know, I'm still seeing a therapist and I'm still talking about breast cancer, but I'm talking about a lot of other things in my life. So it really opened a door for me to sort of be forced into therapy, but it was a blessing in disguise because it, it, it gave me so much more. How about you? Therapy has that power of giving more. Mm. I am a big believer in therapy. I took the advice to seek therapy actually when I was undergoing divorce and learning how therapy helped me through divorce. I decided, you know what, uh, when I was going through my breast cancer as well, I thought, you know, I'm going to continue seeing my therapist to help me, you know, Mm. deal with that anxiety, those thoughts even just being able to cry and say things to my therapist that I may not have said to my own yeah. parents. Yeah. And I think therapy provides, like you said, it provides you in a, in a space where you're not feeling judged. You're safe. You feel safe. You feel validated. Yeah. You feel like your opinions and your feelings really matter. Mm-hmm. And I think from my experience, therapists are not there to, give advice. A lot of people think therapists are there to tell you what to do. I think therapists just allow you the freedom to just express yourself and maybe they give guidance or they bring about awareness. A lot of those questions like, how do you feel about that? Mm -hmm. How does it feel when you do this? I also think that they're, they're really good listeners. You know, when you're talking to a friend, you're having a two-way conversation where that person is giving you 
uh, you know, if you if you go to them and say, I'm feeling this way today, and they're like, well, I was feeling like that a week ago, it goes back and forth. With therapy, it's more of the therapist listening, and you get to really express yourself without the interruptions or someone else's, like, point of view and things like that. And I feel like maybe if you don't have people in your life who are willing to listen to you, and I didn't, Every time I try to talk to someone, it's like, oh, my friend went through breast cancer and this. And then even outside of breast cancer, and if I try to have conversations, not with everybody, but there are certain people that, like, they don't want to listen to me at all. It's always Very about true. it's always about them. And, and therapy was really good for me because I was lacking that. I was lacking someone who just, you know, would let me go on for 10 minutes until I was able to get it off without you know, interrupting me or giving me that judgment. It was, it was, it was something I needed to do. And I think it was actually good for my body too, to be able to have that outlet and do that. And I like the word that you use distractions, because <laughs> I think when we talk about talking with your friends, it's only natural. Your friends, they care, they love you. They want to interject and give you a different perspective. And mm -hmm. sometimes therapy is not about a different perspective. It's not about perspective at all. It, you're right. It is just a place to vent, to release. And I think hearing the sound of your own voice <laughs> is in itself therapy. There's strength in just letting yourself flow with pain, anxiety, tears, and I think therapy allows that place. Yeah. And, you know, therapy, I like the open guidedness of therapy. Yeah. It just allows you to not have to hear what you're doing wrong or the could-haves and the should-haves. Rather, therapy, I think, allows you to just become more aware of what you're saying and what you're feeling. Yeah. I really like how you expressed uh, a safe place. I really like that because that's... I think that's exactly what it is. Outside of therapy and having a person there, I would love to describe it as it's a safe place where you can go and, and express yourself and not feel judged or and, and, and know that you're going there and you could be your 100% authentic self. And it's funny when we talk about that safe place, I looked forward to my therapy sessions. <laughs> I still do. I, I, and I still do. I would get really excited because I knew that every time I was going, I was going to release, have a great cry, go home, shower, and feel better. Yeah. And I felt better every time I went or I spoke with my therapist. Now, yes, before COVID, I was going to her office and her office had a comfy couch and had books and she would offer me water and, you know, put the Kleenex box beside me. I thought you were going to say wine. I was going to say, that's a really oh, good therapist. No. <laughs> no. Um, that I did on my own. No, <laughs> just kidding. Um, but once COVID happened, you know, and things were now online or yeah. there were the phone calls, I mean, I'm still getting the benefits of therapy, being able to express myself, but that sort of, that place, that office. Mm. I kind of miss that place because I look every time I go there, I'm thinking, wow, I've come a long way. I remember when I was in that office and I felt this way. And now I'm coming into the office and I'm feeling 
mm. a different way. Yeah. But yeah, I like what you said. It, therapy did become a place where I would look forward to going to my sessions because I knew I was going to come out feeling better and I was doing something for me. Yeah. Yeah. So with that being said, why do you think therapy may not be for everyone? Well, number one, I don't think everybody is comfortable with being vulnerable and expressing themselves. It, it does take time. It takes a bit of inner work to be able to express yourself. And not everybody has grown up maybe in a, in a family environment where being open with your emotions was welcomed. Mm. So that could be a challenge for a lot of individuals. They're just not comfortable with opening up in front of someone that they don't know. There's also the cost. You know, seeing a social worker is costly. Yeah. Uh, if you're someone as fortunate as we are, we have a benefit plan that pays for our coverage, which I which I think is which I think is pretty sad because mm-hmm. I think therapy is for everyone and it's it's only if you have a plan or you're in a certain you know financial situation that you can afford it yeah and again I think therapy involves a lot of commitment there's drop there's traveling you know it's not always accessible to everybody so it does come with a few challenges yeah what about you what are your thoughts Uh, well I think I think it's for everyone but you know I think that it's not for you if you're not open to doing the work every day. Then therapy is definitely not for you. Because if you're not going, like therapy is an ongoing process. I've been in it six years and I still have like so much more work to do. And it's not just about going in and inventing. There is work that you have to do within yourself in order to start seeing the benefits. And if you're completely closed off to it and you're not open it, open to it, then therapy is definitely not for you. That's just sort of my That's my a view. really good point. And um, if you can't be open to your truth and accept that there are opportunities for change, then therapy is also not for you, right? Because you got to do the work and then you got to recognize that, you know, some change is going to need to happen. So I feel like if you're closed off to those things, therapy is not going to be for you. Now, on the other side... I think that therapy should be part of school curriculum. I've always believed that. I feel like children and kids, I mean, you're a teacher. I don't know if you agree with me, but I feel like if children were given the tools through therapy at a very young age, they would learn coping mechanisms for life. And I'm like, why isn't, why is this therapy cost money? Like, okay, we go to school and we learn math. Like, how many people really use math? Yeah, okay, fine, math is part of our daily lives, but I'm not going to be a mathematician. Or, you know, you go to gym class. Yeah, great, you learn physical activity, but what about our minds? What about taking care of our minds? And, you know, like, you have children that are five, six, seven-year-olds who are dealing with things at home. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or, you know, their, their parents are struggling financially or a one of the parents might have substance abuse or one of the parents might be abusive. Shouldn't kids have access to therapy in school where they have, you know, they're given the tools to learn how to deal with these life things? You're speaking my language. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's a very frustrating time. Mental health has definitely, you know, 
been going up. A lot of people are struggling with mental health, and I don't think it is taken as seriously as it should be. And I'm not sure why. I don't have the answers. What I do know is I agree. I see a lot of children, very young, dealing with a lot of issues that they are not at the right developmental age to deal with, right? And I do believe that if there was therapy implemented in the education program at a much earlier age, we could be doing, you know, some amazing work at preventing a lot of mental issues that happen to these kids as they get yeah. older and getting them in tune with their emotions, giving them the coping mechanisms to dealing with um, everything, things that upset them so yeah. they're not lashing out. So, because listen, you know, at the end of the day, yeah. like parents who are raising children, like you have parents that are really young. I remember being 20 and I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. So if I had had a child at 20, I think that would have been very difficult as a parent to like be responsible for another human being. So I almost think like therapy would also help parents. Well, when I, when I think about therapy and you talked about keeping the mind healthy, it's interesting when we call it a process because when we talk about going to the gym and losing weight, you can't just go to the gym for a year and say, oh, I've lost all this weight. It's yeah. gone. Yeah. No, you can gain your weight back. You can't go to the gym for a month and expect a miracle. Going to the gym to lose weight, be healthy, you have to be doing that constantly. It's an it's ongoing thing. It's an thing. ongoing yeah. thing. And same with the mind. The mind is an ongoing muscle that needs work. It's constantly on, right? Oh, my God. I know. Don't tell it's me about it. It's <laughs> constantly on. But I think the mind is something we can't see. Mm. We can't. It's not on the outside. And therefore, I wonder if that's why we... That's society, government, I don't know. It's not getting the recognition that it needs, what it deserves. Yeah. And now I see a lot of adults that for some, it's they say, I'm not saying it. They're saying, it's too late for me. I'm this age. I'm stuck in my way. And I always think it's never too late to start. But I do think what you said is very true. You can't just go to therapy once or twice or three times and say, well, I've done some therapy, that's it. Yeah. No, therapy is an ongoing process that the mind needs constantly. And some people have said to me, well, you seem so happy. Why are you still going to therapy? I'm yeah. like, because life is always throwing challenges. And even though it could just be a bad day at work, it could be an insecurity it could be just me contemplating where I want to go in my life. Whatever it is, mm. therapy is just a place to, I think, release anything in your mind yeah. and get it out. But it's also giving you that experience of understanding your emotions, self-regulation, and getting in tune with yourself. I also think that you you sort of mentioned it. I think that part of it is that Therapy for a long time, like, you know, years ago, was seen as you went to therapy if there was something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. And I think that mm -hmm. persona still sort of exists. You know, people who go to therapy are, you know, couples that are going through problems. Right. People who go to therapy have something wrong with them. So I think that persona still exists, and it has a, it makes people hesitant to, to say, I'm going to go to therapy. Because automatically, if you're in therapy, there's something wrong with you. Right. right. And I think 
what we need to do, or anyone that does go to therapy, I say talk about it freely. I I will say, what are you doing tonight? It'll be a Friday night. I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm going to go home, go to a therapy session, cry my <laughs> eyes out, make some popcorn and watch a Netflix movie. And I'm just talking about therapy like it's just another part of my day. Like it's like going to the gym. And then I'll have people say, oh, you go to therapy? Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, oh, I love it. Oh, mm-hmm. really? And then you'll see people coming to me later. Who's your, who's your therapist and how did you get a therapist? And, and I think it's just creating that safe place of saying, this is just a part of life. It's something we're all doing and yeah. I'm not hiding behind it. Yeah. I'm saying it's me. I love it. I do it. I'm a, I advocate for it. I think therapists um, are, I mean, how do I put this? Therapists are out there trying to do their part and help as best that they can. And I think we need to give sometimes therapists, you know, a little bit more of a benefit of a doubt. Because I'll hear people mm. say this therapist wasn't that great and that therapist wasn't that good. But it just, it's, you need to resonate and have a connection with your therapist. Not yeah. every therapist is going to be someone you connect with. But at the end of the day, therapists are there to help you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I get that. So, um, I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. So we've been talking a lot about therapy as a person. (laughs) Uh, I'm wondering what are some other non-traditional forms of therapy that you use to help you sort of embrace change and adapt Mm. uh, to new changes in your life? I think the number one thing was staying away from narcissistic people. That's a hard one. (laughs) (laughs) Because being around narcissistic people was not great for me. And I knew who they were. And so, I mean, I was married to a narcissist in a way. So I I sort of recognize a little bit of that. And, like, there's people that I I love and adore. And, listen, nobody's perfect. But there was a point where I had to be like, I got to stay away from you right now. This isn't good for me. Um, So that was sort of where it started. And then, like, surrounding myself with people who had empathy for me I know you and I talked and you described very well and it's made me think a lot about it you know sympathy versus empathy I think that like when I went through my breast cancer journey it was a very lonely time for me Mm. I I didn't actually get a lot of sympathy and I didn't have a lot of empathy I got empathy later when I met you and I started you know getting involved in in breast cancer survivor groups and things like that so I think surrounding myself with people who did have empathy for me, who who knew what I was going through and understood that, you know, how I was feeling was okay. Like I I hid a lot of my feelings through my journey and that was I only realized that, you know, like 6 years later that that was really hard for me. I kept pretending that I was the same person I always was for everyone around me, but deep down there was a hole of darkness that I couldn't really express and show people. And, you know, yeah, I didn't get a lot of sympathy. And the, the sympathy that I got was, was great, but I didn't get uh, em- empathy. And, and that, that came in later, and, and that was good. I, I really needed that. And being around, you know, people who were willing to have two-way conversations with me. I find myself a lot in the past just, you know, having conversations where I'm listening like mm. 99% of the time and no one's really that interested in what I had to say or right. what I was going through and I sort of like you know I'm I, I, I'm a good listener <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that but 
I didn't have people in my life that I could just sit down and have a conversation about what I was going through. And that's why therapy was also really great for me. But sort of like the non-therapeutic ways of going about it was like just staying away from from people that weren't giving me a little bit more of what I needed and seeking people that that were. And you were definitely aware of that. Yeah, yeah. I was. And then also focusing on me, which goes into the conversations and all that like like I needed to stop. I learned that I needed to stop filling other people's cups to make them feel good about themselves and you know, listen to their struggles and filling their cup and filling their cup. And I started filling my cup. And I started for the first time in my 44 years on this earth, I started thinking about me and I started being a little bit more selfish. And I started my, telling myself, I don't like this, so I'm not going to do that. In the past, I'd be like, I don't like this, but this person likes it and they're going to do it, so I'm going to. So I started thinking about me and, you know, that is a little bit selfish, but my mental health needed it. Right. And I, I just think a lot of people struggle with that. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it, it's really hard for me because I'm just like, I'm just, I'm shy. I'm not super outgoing. And, you know, you know me a little mm-hmm. bit. I sort of, I, I do have a lot of empathy for people it just in general, no matter what. So that person, it, it, it was my person. It wasn't other people. I'm not complaining about other people at all. It had nothing to do with other people. It had to do with me. Mm. I had to work on me. I had to work on focusing on myself. I had to work, you know, it was just like when I got divorced. I didn't know who I was. You know, people would ask me, what's your favorite food? I don't know. I just ate whatever he liked. And, oh, what are your hobbies? Going to car shows? I don't like car shows. I've I, never even heard you talk yeah. about wanting to go to car shows. <laughs> first of all, I hate, I hate all that stuff, but I did it because... Right. That's sort of what I do when I'm around people, right? Mm-hmm. And it took me, it was a hard lesson for me to realize that I was at the point now in my life where, you know, I needed to just focus on me, be a little selfish, do the things that make me happy, and focus on filling my cup. And going through that journey, um, you know, another, the, other, the last thing I'm going to make a point was my therapist did tell me to do this, but... It served a non-therapeutic thing as well. And, you know, in my journey with my therapist, I've had a long relationship with her. She said to me one day, she's like, Sonia, I can see in just our interaction, you're a very nurturing person. And, you know, you you have this job that you really care about, um, and but you have nothing to take care of. And she's like, and based on everything that I talk to you, like you're nurturing, you like people, you like taking care of things. So she suggested, you know, I get a pet. So I was like, no, I'm going to get a plant. I wasn't, felt like I wasn't ready. I thought a pet was going to be. Another plant. Mm. Yeah. No, well, that's when the plant thing started. Oh, I see. So I got a plant. And then, you know, we sort of kept going. And she slowly encouraged me. She's like, get a pet. And I was like, I can't get a dog. They're too much work. So I got a cat. And, you know, when I, she was a thousand percent right. You know, it's so nice to know that I have this unconditional love and I know it's a pet and people are like this girl's crazy I have something to look forward to when I know I'm leaving work I'm gonna come home I'm gonna have this little thing waiting for me who is dependent on me that I can nurture but I also get this unjudgmental unconditional love from this little thing and it's not a real person but it's my thing it makes me happy And, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, well, like you're a crazy cat lady now, blah, blah, blah. I don't even care. It's, it's served a purpose. It's given me, it's made me happy. 
and you that's know, and it's not and that's outside of therapy yeah. right yeah that crazy cat lady comment really ooh, strikes a nerve <laughs> i get really upset when i when i hear that because i think it's because people don't understand the purpose and well, the joy people who have dogs there's crazy, no crazy, crazy dog. dog people. No, it, it's only cats. And I just think, oh, I'm, I'm be, I get so, my yeah. back goes up when I hear people say that. I just think it's a really awful thing to say, right? Yeah. yeah. But, but uh, yeah, my cat sort of really gave me, and, and even today, I don't go to my sessions as much mm. because I do have all these other tools that I use outside of therapy. And I think the biggest one is just staying away from negative people, mm-hmm. you know, who are always being negative and, and narcissists and, and having, you know, a little thing that loves me. Right. And, you know, like last night I woke up and he was just like with his little pot touching me and just looking at me. And I'm like, oh, my God, I love you so much. You just make me so happy. <laughs> it just brings me joy. So It's amazing yeah. how they have that. You, uh, you did make an interesting point about not going to therapy as often. And I think that is the beautiful thing about therapy is you kind of know when you need it. Yeah. There, there are moments where I'll go a couple months, two, three months. And then you slow down. I don't need to go as often. I'm and not thinking about again. it. And then something <laughs> will happen and I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to call my therapist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm on the phone and I know I need, a, you know, a little pick me up or I need a little like therapy hit and I'll call her. So that's the other thing with therapy. You make a really good point is when Sonia and I do talk about it being an ongoing process. It really is. It is an ongoing process, but we're not saying it has to be done however many times a week, a month, a year. It's, it starts to become when you need it. Yeah. It's a great place to go. Yeah. What about you? What are some of the non-therapy things that you use in your life to sort of get you through well, I think you put it in a nutshell with the cats, <laughs> so I'm not going to go on and rant about that because everything you said is, is I'm along the same lines as you. I have two. I would have to say massages were a beautiful place for me to go. I think treating myself to a massage or even a facial. Mm. Uh, yes, great. yes. I mean, okay. I was getting my skin taken care of. You're wondering how is that therapy for your mind? Oh, well, <laughs> let me tell you just sitting, you know, or lying in those chairs or lying face down, your mind is relaxed. You're, you're not talking, mm. which is the opposite of therapy, but it's a different thing. You're, you're, you're in stillness. Yeah. You're sitting there getting rid of body tension uh, and I learned a lot about trauma, uh, negative emotions, and where that collects in the body. So, you know, maybe I'm going through some anxiety and I would just have a lot of tension in my shoulders. And a long time ago, before I understood massages, I would think, did I pull some muscle in my bed? Did I lift something? Did I injure myself in, at the gym? It would just be tension mm. that I would be holding in my body. Yeah. Anger, resentment, fear, frustration, depression, whatever I was holding in my body, in emotion, was being stored in my stomach, in my head, in my neck, in my shoulder. And it was through massages and releasing those emotions. Sometimes I would just cry face down because my mind would 
be releasing, mm. thoughts were coming out, and I would feel this, you know, release in my body, but my mind. Mm. So massages were also a place where I would be releasing a lot of negative emotions. Or, you know, sometimes I would just be talking to my massage therapist and ranting about something. And again, it was a venue of getting something out mm. of my body. Yeah. But I did, I do believe that emotions get stored in our bodies, yeah. in so our organs. Trauma. And that's the trauma. Yeah. So massages and facials, just being touched, uh, giving myself those moments of self-care. Mm-hmm. Another non-traditional form of therapy, again, I talk a lot about journal therapy, was another safe place to vent because I'll be honest, there were things I would write in my journal that I didn't tell my therapist. <laughs> I didn't want my therapist knowing I thought that because she might call, gosh knows, and report me, you know, but I would write it in my journal. Yeah. So there were awful things I wrote in my journal. Oh. about oh. the ex-boyfriend or, you know, that colleague at work that was just driving me nuts. Uh, so the journal was a place of me to just dump. You know what's great about that? <laughs> what? If it's like you could just take it and burn that journal yeah. later and nobody knows. No evidence, <laughs> right? So journaling was that place of like, I can say whatever I want. So mine, it's probably not good that I have a digital journal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, we're different that way. I, cause I can, I call it my write and rip. Yeah. 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 I write, write, and, and then I out. just rip it, yeah. throw it out and the evidence is gone. But again, journaling was that place of dumping out my thoughts that I didn't want anyone, including my therapist, <laughs> because you don't tell your therapist everything, yeah. you know, better, but you will tell your journal a lot of things. And, yeah. you know, talking to my friends was another form of uh, dealing with therapy and doing anything that was great in my body I think for me as well um, just spending time with my friends when you talk about narcissistic people and for me it was learning my boundaries mm. not being around negative people not just exes in my life <laughs> but learning that friends in your life can also be very toxic oh yeah and uh, so you know even in my 40s now, I'm still learning the value of friendship and having good people that I can be myself around, mm. knowing that they're not going to judge me. And yeah. I have a place to go to to express myself, and they're going to help me and love me, and they know me for who I am. They know me on a much deeper level. That's good. That's so, good. So, yeah. So, can you share um, the positive changes that you saw after therapy? One of the the largest walkaways was self-discovery. I think I learned a lot about myself after therapy, and mm. I'm still doing therapy. It's not like I'm done the work. I don't believe in – I'm just going to go on a bit of a side rant here. I've had <laughs> many people say, I've done the work. Oh, yeah. For me, I'm going to say it, it's a big red flag when I hear someone say, I've done the work. I don't think we've ever, we're ever going to be at a point in our lives where we're done yeah. the work. Yeah. Life is about doing all the time. You are changing daily. Your perspectives change. Your feelings change. Your experiences change. And I think we should be in a place of we are doing the work. That just seems like a nice space to be. I'm doing the work. I'm doing my best. Someone who says they've done the work, 
that is someone I would run from. Because mm. that's someone who's saying, I'm perfect. I don't need any work. I don't need to improve myself. Look at me. I'm done. I'm great. No. Look for people that want to change, embrace change, are self-aware, know that there is no end point. Mm. We're always going to be learning. So for me, knowing that I don't need to beat myself up for not knowing everything, mm. yeah. right? I'm not expected to know the answers. I only know what I know at that time. There's still so much for me to learn. And for me, just to say, I'm learning, doing things in a verb, I'm learning, I'm discovering, I'm processing, mm-hmm. I'm changing, I'm growing, gives me a place of knowing that I don't know everything. I'm not expected not to be so harsh on myself. And I think yeah. therapy gave me that place of, this is just a place where I'm self-discovering. And every time I come in here, I'm learning more about myself. Therefore, there's a lot more to learn. Yeah, for sure. What about yourself? What are something that therapy taught you? It taught me to have empathy for myself. I'm like the hardest person on myself than anyone else is on me. I just, like, I'm an overthinker. And when I start thinking, mm. oh, my God, my mind, my mind can go into, like, I'll be in the shower and I'll have conversations with myself where I'm angry at myself. I would do that a lot. And um, therapy, like, the outcome of it has been I'm just kinder to myself. I have empathy for myself. I have this, I know you've come over and you saw my little black mm-hmm. chalkboard and like mm-hmm. I, I'd like to change it as much as I can based on how I'm feeling at that point. But for a good two years, what was on my little black chalkboard was something like, be kind to yourself. You're doing the best you can. I had to literally remind myself of that. That's how bad I was. I was, I would, nobody needed to judge me because mm. I could do that all my own and I could do it <laughs> very well. <laughs> you know what I mean like I'm just so hard on myself I think that has to do with a lot of my upbringing Mm. to be honest but I had to like therapy the outcome of it for me was like I learned that man like you are not kind to yourself at all you're really harsh you stress out over like my plant that leaf is black what did I do what am I not doing right how could I let that get that far? I know I'm using such like a, a simple example. That's how my brain works though. You, you spiral. I spiral. So I had to sort of just, and, and, and with cancer, I didn't spiral. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, because I was so focused on, you know, putting on a facade. Mm. But then the, the years went by and then I started spiraling. And, it, and, and, you know, you and I have had this conversation where I've mentioned to you that I struggled the most during my breast cancer. It was afterwards because when all the chaos was over and my brain sort of like didn't have all the stuff to worry about anymore, it was like, well, now what? And then everything started coming up for me. And that's when I started really struggling. And when I like, I was going to therapy before that, but then I really had to start going and all of the stuff just started coming up. So, yeah, I think the, the, the outcome of it was, uh, you know, it was just me learning to be kind to myself because that's what I needed. And I think that is when we talk about self-discovery, that you become aware of what you need. And on a previous episode, we talked about sometimes not knowing your coping strategies or not knowing what makes yeah. you happy or not knowing. And I think therapy 
gives you a place to really dive into those deeper levels of yourself and create that space of yeah. self-discovery, which is what I'm hearing you say right yeah. now. Yeah, I mean, like, there was just, man, there was so much stuff that came up. Like, at first, therapy was just about breast cancer. It was just about, okay, like, I struggled quite a bit, and it was just like, okay, you got to deal with this on your own. You have nobody. That mm-hmm. was a big thing for me. And then it was, you know, the the fear, is this going to come back? Like, I, I don't know why, but in my brain, I just, I had a really hard time dealing with, okay, so, like, now it's, this is just it. What if it comes back? What if it comes back? Like, I had to do a lot of work to stop thinking that because I worry. I'm a right. worrier. I worry all the time. Like, it was hard work for me to do that, and I'm still doing it. Well, it's going to be... I think when we talk about the life after cancer, that is kind of where we need to really focus on that mental health. Yeah. Because once our bodies have healed from surgery, from treatment, from medication, once all that starts to heal, we've done our, you know, our time, let's call it, <laughs> uh, the, the mental really does start to kick in. Because yeah. we, we live in that place of, is it going to come back? Now this has become a part of our life. So in saying that, why do you think mental health is really important to you and to anyone that has, you know, gone through cancer and has done their time, whether their time be five years on tamoxifen or their one, two, five years of dealing with off and on surgeries. Yeah. Once we get through that, and we're on our way through remission. Why do you think mental health now becomes really important to us and to you personally? Yeah. I think it's because I think during, like when you get, I'm not speaking for everyone. I'm, I'm speaking for myself here. Um, for me, it was like you, you're going through the motion of, do I have breast cancer? You don't know yet. So you got to go through the tests. And that's a, that's one anxiety. And then you find out you have breast cancer. So that's now a different emotion. And then you do your, your therapy, whether it's chemo, whether it's radiation, whether it's um, surgeries, then that's another emotion. And then you go through that. And then it sort of like comes to a place where doctors are like, okay, like now you're in remotion. So you go from having, you know, literally like ups and downs in, in all these different emotions to, oh, now I don't have all the stuff to think about. And then your brain is like, well, I need something to stress out about. That was mine anyway, mm, right? My brain's yeah. like, well, you know, I've spent the last five years going through this roller coaster and now you're just going to stop? No, 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 no. We're going to keep going. So I had to, like, find ways to to keep doing the work. I think one big, big thing for me was sleep. I, you know, during... I had like because I had so much surgery sleep was almost non-existent for me I was always in pain I could not find the right like okay so first of all I was a sleeper who slept on my chest down okay and then I have four surgeries double mastectomy and now I can no No longer do that so I and I can't even turn I gotta sleep on my back that's a whole way of changing your sleeping routine that was so hard for me oh my god never thought of that yeah and so I still can't sleep on my chest today so 
I had to put in, you know, I had to experiment. But one of the things that I really took seriously was building a sleep routine. Mm -hmm. So every night, you know, at a certain time, I would take my um, supplements, things that I knew were going to start, you know. And and for me, seeing a naturopath was really important. Mm -hmm. It helped me a lot. And so I knew that I, if I took the supplement, you know, at 7 p.m. or 8 p.m., it would help me wind down from my day and it, it would start calming my brain and, you know, take my, my supplements and not look at my screen at a certain, after a certain time, um, making sure that I had a cool room mm. and a dark room. Um, I actually got like this cooling pillow because I was struggling with tamoxifen so the night sweats yeah so I'm already struggling with sleep because I can't sleep on my chest but then I'm dealing with the side side effects effects of of tamoxifen and so I had to also change my bedroom environment and uh yeah I just feel like I put a lot of emphasis on having a good night's sleep and it's something that like even like today you know if I go to my my family's and I sleep there or whatever it's not the same for me Mm -hmm. I I'll, I'll get sleep but it's not like that oh, I feel good sleep, right? I know like this morning you messaged me and I'm like, I slept in, but I had such good sleep. Got to keep going when you're, when you're in that, yeah. that mode of good sleep, just keep going. And like, it. and like, it was really good quality sleep. Mm. Cause there's also that, like there's bad quality sleep, but I, I don't, I try not to wake up a lot during the night. And I also sleep with like a headband that has speakers and it's got like sleeping meditation on it. And, you know, it turns off, like, in the middle of the night. But I feel that that sort of helps calm. For me, it's it's sleep, but it's based on calming my mind. That's a really good point. Yeah. I just need to shut it off. What about you? Right. Well, I'm, I've mentioned this before. Uh, the gym, exercise, working out the body. Movement is really important to me. Yeah. I really am a very active person. And I realized, I think during breast cancer, I was very focused on my body. I build my immune system. I got to take all these supplements. I have to, like you said, get lots of sleep. I'm going to have to do a lot more yoga. I'm going to have to. And I did all that. And I was neglecting the mind. And... (laughs) That ego, wow, it really took control of my thoughts. And I was living in a world that hadn't even happened yet, mm. right? I really was living in a world of what What if it comes back? Um, you know, living in a world of, will anybody ever want to be with me because I've had cancer? Just a lot of these ruminating thoughts, like you said. And I think I recognized that, you know what, the mind is a muscle and I need to take care of it. Exercise it. I need to exercise it. So I recognized that I had to do things to feed my mind. There's a difference between the brain and the mind. Yeah. And I know that the brain requires oxygen and the brain requires water. Uh, The brain is an organ, like the heart, that requires certain nutrients to function. Yeah. But the mind is something very different than the brain, yeah. right? So I decided, what can I do to feed my mind? Because that's what was really taking a hold of me. So I just thought books, reading, 
listening to podcasts, going to see speakers, using apps to learn about mental health and, and learning about the mind, journaling, music, anything, anything that was exercising my mind. Yeah just was a way of me feeling like I'm taking care of myself and feeding it positive things, affirmations. Even, you know, a big thing for me was also going to comedy clubs. I really got into comedians and and wanting to go to comedy clubs because I felt... Laughing is good. We don't laugh enough. Yeah. I, I heard a statistic once. Take a guess. What do you think the average amount of time is that people spend daily laughing? I don't know. 10 minutes. That's it? Is the average amount of time we laugh. Okay. And I, I remember hearing that going, that's awful. <laughs> right? Because laughing is fun. It's contagious. Yeah. It's it's such a release of, of, of stress. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna feed my mind more laughter. So I was literally going to every comedy show, yuck yucks, watching funny movies listening to silly dad jokes, just yeah. anything that would bring more laughter into it's my life. life. Yeah. So laughter was a big thing. And and, um, and I think that, that that was just how I realized the mind is very important, but it's a place we do not give it enough time. Yeah. And we don't put enough effort into it. And now it's 2023, and we hear a lot about mental health. We hear it. But what are we doing to support it. We need yeah. more. Yeah, a for lot sure. more needs to go into yeah. mental health. I think we need to really give mental health a bigger voice because I think we are all struggling. I don't just think it's always trauma. Yeah. I don't think it's always having to go through something like breast cancer. We all go through mental health issues and I think we all need to take some time in reinvesting in our minds. Yeah. So with that being said, that's a wrap for today. Uh, you know, um, just to uh, sort of give an overview, you know, uh, what we're saying here is, you know, it doesn't matter where you are in your life. Therapy can benefit anyone if you're willing to do it. It might not be for you, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, if you have an opportunity to go out there and you're willing to do the work and you, you think that it's going to benefit your life, um, you don't have to feel bad about it. There's going to be a lot of benefits out of it. And we hope that you um, really enjoy trying it out. Yeah, I think Sonia and I are on the same page when we say that we were just trying to have an open-minded discussion about therapy. It's just one of the strategies that we used. We are big um, advocators of therapy, but that doesn't mean it's for everybody. And maybe there's something you heard today in our podcast that, might resonate with you I think the whole point of what we're trying to do is just to share different strategies and maybe something will work for you and if it doesn't that's okay too it's not for everybody exactly all right well we'll see you on the next episode of life Life unleashed with Sonia and Sarah